not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from the power weakness had on me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled, where I have been telling my story of life after alcohol since my first day of sobriety in 2011. I tell my story there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And during this time, when we are all doing our part to help flatten the curve of COVID-19, when we are feeling isolated, stuck in our homes, doing what we can by doing nothing at all, perhaps sending family members to work in jobs where they're helping others and we're afraid for them, or for those of you who are doing that work yourself, this is a really, really hard time to be a person in recovery. And uh, I really hope that podcasts like this are helping you get through. I would have loved to have done a special episode only about this, but I had guests lined up and I thought, let's just keep telling our stories because this is what we need to do right now. So my guest today is a woman who goes by the name of Winged victory. Those of you who have been active in Hello Sunday Morning or who are involved in her community, Boom, Rethink the Drink, or perhaps you've seen her work in the Huffington Post. She has uh, spent the last five years not only working on her recovery, but bringing people together to tell their stories and to share their ways of healing and to be part of something bigger. She joins me today from her home in Portugal to talk about what it's like on our day of recording, which is the 23rd of March uh, in this stage of the COVID pandemic. Perhaps by the time this airs, things will have changed again. This is a snapshot of where we are today, and this is her story. Winged Victory, welcome to the Bubble Hour. I'm so pleased to have you here from the other side of the globe. Hello. 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 Thank you for taking time to speak with me today. I'm really, really looking forward to getting to know you and hearing your story. Absolutely. How are you holding up under the current circumstances? We are both in, uh, like the rest of the world, we are both uh, participating in the uh, social isolation and flattening yes. the curve by doing our part. How is that yes. going for you? It really is almost overwhelming. Um, it, you know, it changes every day. And the situation that we're in right now, um, as, as opposed to the situation that we were in last week, is just unimaginable you know i'm i'm trying to stay away from the news as much as possible i watch a little bit every day um just to get a sense of of where we are and and what's happening and how it's progressing um but we're on we're in lockdown in portugal and our daughter was in glasgow going to school we brought her home on sunday um and she has a fever that started yesterday which is a little terrifying um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's something that we just have to take a day at a time and, um, follow the rules and 
trust our governments as much as possible and take care of each other. Mm-hmm. It's tremendous. It is a tremendously extreme situation that none of us expected to be in a week ago. Isn't it? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. I, f- I feel like at a time when our world has been, you know, pretty, pretty polarized and, and, and pretty um, tense, uh, here we are pulling together and, and doing our best for one another and really feeling a sort of global conscience that is, um, it's, it's heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time, yes. but it is nonetheless historic and it's something we will remember forever. And we will, uh, well, I, I happen to be writing a book right now, just a, a fiction and not piece of fiction, a novel that I'm writing. And, and I'm wondering all of a sudden if it's outdated because, Will any of us ever be the same after this? Oh, I don't um, think we will. I don't think yeah. we will. And I, yeah. you know, I, I love the moments of seeing the best of humanity coming from this. And, and I hope that we see more of that. And I hope that we see less and less of the divisiveness that, that occasionally still rears its ugly head. <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing to see. I, just very quickly on the news this morning, I was, I was preparing for my talk with you. So I just watched a few minutes. Um, but they were talking about many different countries um, going into Italy and Spain with help, not just China, but China and Russia, um, doctors from countries all over the world going into Italy and going into Spain to help with the crisis is there. And I found that so inspiring. Mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. also a little bit terrifying because we're right next to Spain <laughs> yes yes in Europe everyone is very close together yeah I'm in Canada where we have a lot of space <laughs> our population too. is all huddled together on the on the bottom of the country you know our population is sort of all aligned along the, the bottom border of the country for the most part yeah. uh, the farther north you go the more spread out people are um, and, um, so our experience is a little bit different. And, and as we record this, things are just really starting to hit hard in the United States. And that's where a, a vast majority of our listeners are. Yeah, I feel like we, wherever, wherever you are, who's listening to this, um, we're all experiencing it in our own way and we're all, Mm, feeling for one another and I think it's really important to to be aware of what's happening in other parts of the world right now be informed for for those of us that are sort of behind what's been happening in in Europe so for us in Canada we are we are able to learn from what has been happening there and I feel like perhaps it will allow us to be a little bit quicker to respond just by being a bit behind, almost like being the younger child yeah. <laughs> learning from the older siblings who are a step or two ahead. I and, hope so. Uh, Even just last week, I, I felt like I was following the rules here for the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't been really socializing. We've been going for walks, uh, walking our dog. I have a dear friend who I've been walking with and we've been staying a meter apart. And when my daughter got home, we started wearing masks when we were walking because she had been um, on an airplane. But now that my daughter has a fever today and, and there's, you know, new news coming out every day about how you should protect yourself from this virus. I'm starting to question, you know, did we do the right thing when we were walking? You know, we took our shoes off and left them outside. 
um, but did I remember to wash my hands after I touched the shoes? You know, it's really, you really start to feel the vulnerability that we all have to this. And, and news seems to be evolving every day as to how we need to protect ourselves. We're going to be living with this for a long time. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the virus is not going to just suddenly go away. Um, and it, it's really important to stay connected to the, the information about what we need to do and, and really follow it. Because when your child suddenly has a fever <laughs> at this moment, it's, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm feeling for you right now. Yeah. And um, in, a, in a way, I want to say, you don't have to do this interview right now. You must just want to go and be with your daughter. But I feel like you probably also are feeling like there's only so much you can do and you, you need to you need to spread your efforts around in order to just stay sane a little bit. Am I right about that? Or how are oh, you feeling absolutely. right now? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and it, it may just be seasonal flu and she's fine. You know, she's taking pedicetamol and she's drinking hot liquids and she's resting. And, you know, um, the, the concern of course is how will this evolve? Where will it go? How will it develop? Mm-hmm. And suddenly if your child has a fever, it's a little different than it was a few weeks ago. So, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for those of us that tend to be anxious to begin with, we know the struggle mm-hmm. well of um, getting ahead of ourselves. And I definitely have recovery has taught me the value of staying in the moment and not getting ahead of myself and knowing Absolutely. when I'm doing it yeah. <laughs> and yeah. some tools to bring me back into the moment. So aside from all of the many other benefits of staying sober and being alcohol free and being a person in recovery right now, there's a, there's a real practical application to some of the, some of the things that we've learned in recovery that are currently a transferable skill. <laughs> oh, definitely. Always. And, you know, there's, there's no better time than right now to be sober without, without question. And, you know, there have been, um, I've been watching the, I think it's the governor of, of New York. uh, And I've, I've really liked some of the, some of the interviews that he's done. I like the way he's presenting things. But yesterday, one of the people in our community posted an article saying that, you know, in the lockdown in New York, they've decided that the liquor stores are essential and will stay open. You know, everything is locked down but the liquor stores are essential. And I was so offended by that because the message mm-hmm. that's given to people is, you know, you need to drink to get through this crisis. And, right. and actually, you know, it's really, that's not really the intended message. The intention is to protect those industries and to protect, you know, the alcohol lobby from the crisis, um, which is all very transparent once you look at it carefully. But to Mm -hmm. people that are suffering through this crisis who, you know, have any kind of of alcohol issues, that's like a a rubber stamp to say, it's okay, you need to drink, you know. Yes. You need to drink. It's essential to drink through this. It's state-sanctioned. It's state, yeah, it's states. You know, it's not only that, it's sanctioned by one of the most rational voices so far in this crisis, which is, you know, it's, oh, get so tired of that kind of thing. But it's yes. it's a fantastic time, you know, if you have some sober momentum going. It's a wonderful time to benefit from that. And it's a wonderful time to, you know, try to kind of gently reach out to other people and say, look, you don't have to drink. Actually, it's better to be sober right now. Mm-hmm. I've seen a it little is. of that on Facebook and been really inspired by it from Christy Coulter has, has posted a couple of really, really good things. And I think Veronica Valley did the other day as well. 
just to kind of get Yeah, there are some really wise voices and and our leaders are really shining for us through this time. Um, yeah. The, the, some of them are the people whose names we know, and many of them are just other people in recovery that say, you know, I'm going to shine my light and I'm going to help anyone I can and are just just stay positive and stay encouraging. Um, you know, anyone that, that just makes a comment of if someone in, in a support group or something is, is struggling, just you can give service just by being supportive of them. And um, certainly I'm hearing in my mailbox uh, from, from people that are struggling through this. And as you say, their addiction is really leveraging these messages of that we need booze to get through this time. And yes. um I really, I really think, boy, when I look back on this, I really want to feel like I did everything I could to be my best throughout this and yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to know that I really did my best um, for myself and for others. So I really encourage anyone who is battling the voices in their head to to look to the resources that you have and, and really hang on to your sobriety right now. It's It's extremely important and extremely helpful. So let's get to know you a little okay. bit. Okay. <laughs> it, it does feel strange to be doing a usual interview in such an unusual time. But I also know that there is great comfort in just hearing one another's stories and that there are many, many people right now who, because they're struggling, really are hanging on to the stories of success and the voices of others. So I am just invite you to tell us about yourself, tell us who you are, and tell us about your recovery. Okay, well, I would like to start by saying that when I was in my early recovery, when I was in my first two or three months sober, um, reading the stories on Crying Out Now, which I think was um, a website that you were connected to, and listening to the bubble hour, listening to the stories on the bubble hour was absolutely essential to me. Uh, my husband bought me headphones so that I could uh, plug them into my, my tablet, stick it in my back pocket and listen to you while I was, while I was cleaning house. So these, I, I agree, these stories are so important to share. And even though I only really listened for the first couple of months, I remember the, the theme song to the bubble hour. Um, I just felt safe when that music came on. So thank you. And um, this is my story. Uh, I'm American, but I moved to Portugal in 1993 to accept a job with the Gulbenkian Orchestra in Lisbon. I'm 55. I'm married and I have two children who are 16 and 20. Uh, this past December, I retired from my career as an orchestral horn player. And my work now is uh, the Booze Musings Community Project. The Booze Musings blog and Boom Rethink the Drink Community, the whole project. I started it back in 2015 when I was about three months sober. My original idea with the blog was to help people find the Hello Sunday Morning community, which is where I unexpectedly found the support I needed to stop drinking. Hello Sunday Morning was the community blogging format, which was an amazing discovery for me. And I wanted to share it with, with everyone who was searching. People like me who didn't find uh, traditional routes to stopping drinking a comfortable fit. 
and who didn't have any idea how many of us were out there with similar profiles sticking to sober by talking it through every day online. Hello Sunday Morning was a, a very free group that was based on the idea that people could more easily change their relationships to alcohol if they had a supportive community to share the experience with. It wasn't the traditional kind of community where all members were committed to trying sobriety for life or where everyone was following the same program, but rather it was a place where people could commit to three months or a year alcohol-free and talk in a blog format together about how our lives were changing and what we saw when we took off the booze blinders. It was an international group based in Australia, which was great because perspective from around the world really kept things interesting. Even though we all shared the same language, there's a real sort of cultural difference between the way that Australians and Americans and Canadians and the English, Irish, Welsh and, and Scottish communities communicate. We're the same, but we're also different. And that diversity inside Hello Sunday Morning, inside that blogging space, really kept things alive and encouraged people to dig deep into who they were as individuals, not just women or men or any particular race or nationality, not just those who identified as alcoholics and those who didn't, but people, individual unique people, specifically people willing to be vulnerable to each other and to share and to support each other. And my experience of living my adult life in Portugal after growing up in the U.S. made that international dynamic in Hello Sunday Morning really enlightening for me. I had been quite political until moving to Europe, where I live in a culture and language that I haven't really completely assimilated to. So here in Portugal, my, my life as an adult has been more internally focused than my life was in the U.S., where I was constantly looking outward at the news of the day and cultural movements. And in my early sobriety through this private blog format, I became very political again for the first time in years. It was the beginning of a long process of finding my voice after unintentionally numbing myself down with drinking. So in my post on HSM, I began looking back to my culture, looking back to the mommy juice wine culture in the United States and to the Today Show with Kathy Lee, the sophisticates drink wine at 10 a.m. routine. And it was shocking to me as, as a now European. We don't have that culture here in the media or in commercialism. In Portugal, wine is sold as wine, not as a mood or an antidote or a fashion accessory. It made me so angry to see what was happening in the culture that I was no longer a part of. I felt like women were being bullied by the marketing department that we don't see, bullied by the media, to use an addictive substance in an addictive way and then silenced with embarrassment when they became addicted. Alcohol addiction in the United States is something that we associate with weakness, not something that we see as an obvious outcome of alcohol abuse. Our drinking culture in the US is one of those things that, that we as Americans think is normalized everywhere because we have been hard sold the normalcy, normalcy of it. But the mommy needs a drink culture is based on economics. It's a sales pitch. It's not some sort of psychological imperative and it's deadly. Starting back in 2015, when I stopped drinking, the statistics that were coming out began to show that people were dying younger and younger of alcohol related causes. That was my generation. And the biggest increase was among women. 
I grew up in the 1970s in the Anjali perfume, Virginia Slim cigarette ad culture, that sort of invulnerable, sexy, domestically inclined superwoman culture that created this impossible ideal. The impossible ideal that opened us up to mommy needs a drink, mommy deserves a drink. Don't criticize mommy for needing a drink because she can handle it even if you can't. Even though that drink like a real woman attitude is not part of the cultural here in Portugal, I grew up with the ideal and so I brought it with me. And when the chips were down, when my life became increasingly complicated in my 40s, with children and career and domestic responsibilities, I found that my solution to everything was reaching for a drink. Before my mid-40s, I had what many would consider to be a pretty normal relationship to alcohol. I was a drinker. I drank routinely, but I did not get routinely drunk. I was sober through both of my pregnancies, was hardworking and hard playing, and I never missed work because of a hangover. A few times a year, I would get epically trashed and sometimes put myself in embarrassing or risky situations as a result. But for the most part, I had it as under control as most drinkers do. But I found that things really shifted for me in my mid-40s, and I was in fantastic shape physically because I had been gone, I'd gone into an intensive physical therapy routine for back problems. And it, it seemed that the more that I worked out and the cleaner my nutrition got, the more I drank. I talked to my trainer about it and I talked to my nutritionist and both reassured me that five beers a night was fine as long as I kept sweating it out at the gym and didn't eat carbs for dinner. And the problem was that once I hit five or six beers a night, it was impossible to keep it at that especially since I started drinking at five rather than eating. The alcohol was hitting my bloodstream hard without food in my stomach, and I was addicted without understanding what that meant. Five beers became six beers became eight a few times. So I switched to wine. Wine was supposed to be good for your heart and your metabolism, so although I preferred beer, I gave wine a try. A bottle became a bottle and a half, and that was absolutely the point of no return for me. I started to crave that sort of deep, velvety calm that you feel right before you black out. I started to fantasize about drinking myself away. I didn't really understand what a blackout was until after I stopped drinking and started reading. But I was getting more and more insecure and unsure. I found myself calling my 14-year-old daughter at school at lunchtime to see if there was a hint of insecurity in her voice because I couldn't remember what I had said the night before. I knew that I needed to stop drinking, but I could not find a way out. I couldn't imagine taking the time away from my family routine to go to AA meetings. I was afraid, and I was embarrassed to admit that it had gotten that bad. And then I read Lucy Roca's book, How to Lead a Happier, Healthier, Alcohol-Free Life, The Rise of the Soberista. And that book saved me. Lucy talked about being alcohol-free, about fighting the wine witch. She talked about everything that I experienced as a woman and a mother, but she did not talk about alcoholism as a disease or working steps. And that was revolutionary to me. I remember at the end of her book, she mentioned blogs, which led me to unpickled and tired of thinking about drinking and eventually Hello Sunday morning. I learned from reading your blog on pickled that it didn't matter how perfect everything looked on the outside. If I kept drinking the way that I was, I was going down. I learned from you that sobriety offers everything that alcohol promised, and I actually had that written on a sticky note and tacked to my computer because I hadn't experienced it yet, 
but I was hoping that I would. And I did. And I learned from Bell's blog, Tired of Thinking About Drinking, that if I said no repeatedly to that voice in my head, I would get stronger and it would get weaker and I would finally keep my little sober car moving. I learned from Bell also that it was not the reading that would help me stay sober, but the interactive writing. Taking responsibility for my issues, making myself accountable by writing and pushing publish. Making myself vulnerable, asking for help and listening to others with more experience and giving back the support that I got. The give and take in the blog format. And because I had no idea how to start a blog because I, I didn't even know how to, how to upload a picture or what a URL was. I luckily found HSM by searching sobriety blogs, which took me to their Facebook page. And I joined that community where it was all set up for me and all I had to do was sign up and start talking. And people responded immediately. That was five years ago on March 6th. And in those past five years, I have gone from desperation to stop drinking to proud and loud sobriety reflected in political activism via my articles in Huffington Post a year later to community building, and a kind of self-realization that I had no idea was in store for me when I stopped drinking. But it's something that I hope to inspire in anyone who wants to give it a go. So that's my story. Wow, that is so beautiful. Well, in many respects, it started with you. I can't, I can't tell you how moving it was to me the first time I read your blog. Ah, oh, that's really touching. That, that is amazing to me because um, at that point, I guess I was probably about four years sober. Yes, myself, you were. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is the thing that is so amazing to me about uh, providing online resources. And as you said, blogging is that we're really planting seeds. So things that I had written years earlier about what I was yes. going through was so far behind me. I honestly look at those old blog posts and I don't remember writing them. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling those feelings, but I, I couldn't tell you what the next word is going to be, but there it is relevant to you when you're going through it. And what we're yeah. recording today, the things that you're talking about, um, these podcasts, these episodes will live on the internet for years to come. And so the people that are touched by this, you know, may not even, they may be a long ways from recovery today. It might be years from now that, that this seed that we're planting today helps someone else. And it's absolutely amazing. It's far beyond, I, I can't have any ego about it. And I'm sure you yeah. feel the same way because oh, what happens is so f out of our control and so far beyond our ability to make things happen that yeah. all we're really doing is showing up and telling our truth. And then the, it's the magic is what people do with it after that. So I'm astounded by the magic of your recovery and just honored to know that some little thing that I was feeling someday and expressed years ago helped you and you took it forward and you did something else with it. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. Well, and it was, it was also um, your vulnerability because you allowed me to see you. Um, you told your story so honestly and you published your picture, which is, is something that I was not ready to do publicly at that point. I wasn't ready to do that until I was a year, a year sober but you published your picture and you published your story and it was so raw and it was so real and it was my story. And 
you even looked like me with whiter teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I wish my teeth were as white as yours. Crest white strips. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it really, it was just really, um, you know, the same type of, of big smile, open, friendly face, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I just thought, you know, the drinking is going to do to me exactly what it did to her. It's going to go that far. It's getting there. The elevator is only going down, you know, and um, it really, I think that your blog helped me feel that in a way that, that nothing else did because oh. it was like looking in a mirror. Well, thank you for sharing that. That means a lot to me. And, you know, just as a sidebar, posting my picture, I didn't do that. And I was completely anonymous for the first, uh, at least a year, if not more, year and a half or something like that. Oh, good. I think that's so important for the first year. And then eventually I posted that my name was Jean. I just posted my first name. And then I posted a picture of me because I thought people seem to be connecting there seemed to be a power in the connection and I thought the uh, the more people said you sound like me we sound alike I thought I need uh, I knew how much it meant to me when I saw a picture of someone who was sober I would stare at their picture to try to I don't know what it was like draw some kind of strength from it and so I I thought well I'll just put a picture on and then I kind of thought that my doorbell would begin ringing immediately from everyone in my community knowing that I was mm-hmm. sober and somehow, you know, the paparazzi would stalk me. I don't know. I, I had some inflated um, fear of, of, of what would follow. And the fact was, you know, the only people who were really reading it and searching it were just other people that were suffering in their own way and they didn't nobody really cares yeah who you are they're not going to come to your door it's just that they they connected and so only good things came of it and and to this day I mean gosh I've been doing this podcast and writing my blog for nine years now and people in my community have literally no idea my first and last name are published my pictures all over the place I talk about it all the time and yet you know my community really doesn't know because they're not looking for it. It's not, they're exactly. not, the, they're yeah. not my target audience, I guess. And, yeah. um, and there's freedom in that too. I wanted to talk more about this though. That that's um, a snapshot of sort of what my foray into breaking my own anonymity has looked like. And um, for me, it's been positive. It's helped me stay accountable. Mm-hmm. And um you acknowledge that there's power in the opposite approach as well. So you uh, embraced an identity, winged victory, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. in a minute about what that handle means to you, what that name yeah. embodies for you. But first, let's talk about anonymity and the power of anonymity and why it's important and how it can be a tool that people use. Well, I... I am anonymous and I'm also not anonymous. Um, my first year, all of the blogging that I did, I did within Hello Sunday Morning, and that was a private community. So there was there was no public kind of WordPress blog. You know, we were all inside the walls of, of Hello Sunday Morning. And um, that was a wonderful thing because I was able to talk about 
whatever I needed to talk about in there. There are many things that I will not blog about publicly. I will only talk about, I, I need to talk about them in my community, but I also need it to be private. Um, when I was one year sober, I wrote an article that was accepted by the Huffington Post. It was so exciting because I'm not a writer. Um, I work very hard at it. The first, the first couple of things that were published publicly, I had a lot of help editing. I cannot spell. My spelling was a, just the laughing stock of, of Hello Sunday Morning. People were very good natured about it, but it, I never have been diagnosed with dyslexia, but I really have issues with putting letters together to make words. So now I have all kinds of spell checkers and things, but at the time, um, the spell check on my computer was in Portuguese. And so it didn't spell check my post on Hello Sunday morning. So they would go up with my, my actual spelling. And sometimes they were almost illegible. So I, at the end of my first year, um, I managed to get an article published in Huffington Post before Huffington Post got to the point where they published anything that was submitted. So it was actually juried and it was accepted and it was really exciting. Um, and it was called Coming Out Sober. And my idea with that first article, um, there was Coming Out Sober and Redefining Me Time. Um, and those two articles together, I wanted to say, look, um, I, I am you. You know, I am a successful middle-aged woman with beautiful children. I have a beautiful life. I have a beautiful career. And I was drinking myself to blackout every night. And, and this is how I stopped. And it's amazing. And, you know, come join us. And in those two articles, in Coming Out Sober and Redefining Me Time, um, I published my picture. I didn't publish my name. They were published as Wing Victory. But I, I shared those on my personal Facebook page. So they were seen by my entire family. They were seen by all of my friends. They were seen by all of my work colleagues. They were seen by all of my children's teachers. And I had recently run a big fundraising campaign for my daughter's school. So they were seen by all of the parents and all of the students. And I, I talked to my husband and my children first. And I said, I would like to do this. Is this okay with you guys? You know, read what I've written. And they accepted it. So I did come out. And I didn't, I just didn't use my name because I, I am very much of a, a presence on, on the internet. And it's important to me to make that presence as big as I possibly can in order to promote the community that I've started. But I don't really want my name out there. So I did come out in a way that made me accountable in my world. And that was actually really important to me. I knew at the end of that first year that I had to take the step of telling everybody that came over for Thanksgiving, um, everybody that I went out to dinner with, everybody that I traveled with, with my orchestra, everybody who I might be sitting next to in a bar, look, I'm sober. <laughs> I needed to say that because I was afraid that if I didn't, I might slip. So I, I did actually get that accountability of giving away my anonymity, but I, I haven't given away my name on the internet. It's easy to find if you want to look for it, but I prefer not to offer it, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. It sounds to me like, or both you and I, we have custom fit a level of openness 
that works for us. Yeah. And um, so in one thing we talked about earlier was that by, by um, not offering your name and your full identity, um, it's also because you do have a family and if you write about them, you it's hard you don't want to tell their story for them or they're by identifying your, yes yeah. exactly and for myself I have I identify who I am but I never write about my children or about my husband I think I might his picture might have been on my Instagram last <laughs> last yeah. week um but uh and so and I feel the limits of that. Sometimes I don't write about my business. I don't write about um, family members. And so there's a lot that limits me sometimes if I'm going through something, you know, maybe something I'm working through about my family of origin or something like that. I hesitate yeah. to write about it because um, I uh, because I don't want to um, expose their privacy never mind my own and um and so it puts there there are bumpers I guess there are there are limits on however you set it up but the most important thing is that we find a way in whatever capacity we're engaged with online resources to be accountable yeah let's talk about also to be proud of sobriety I'm proud to be sober and I want to share that pride. And I want to say, look, this is a good thing. This is not mm-hmm. a ball and chain. It's quite the opposite of that. But also that just really quickly, the, the deeply private stuff mm-hmm. um, that I won't talk about publicly, I have found it extremely therapeutic to be able to talk about that stuff privately. And I did do that on Hello Sunday morning. There were often posts that I would write and later delete, um, or I would, you know, delete an entire account um, the Hello Sunday Morning legacy format, which is is where I blogged in 2015, is now gone. So all of those posts are gone. There were deeply personal things in there, but they're gone. You can't see them. Um, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was part of working through my process um, right. in a private in a private way. And it's something that that I really like to be able to offer through the community that I've started now. And I I try to encourage people to do that sort of writing, even anonymous, even privately, it's so difficult for people, you know, to make themselves really, really vulnerable. And it's essential, I think. I I agree. I um, want our listeners to know that the uh, websites we're talking about will be in the show notes. You mentioned crying out now. That is no longer available. It used to be uh, run by the women that began this podcast years ago. I believe that website is gone now. Hello, Sunday it's, morning. It's still is there. Still... Oh, it's, is it's it? Not, it's not active, but you can you can find it. You know, it's still oh, okay. it's still there, but it's closed. Whereas okay. the legacy legacy format, the legacy. Um, site of hello sunday morning has been deleted hello sunday morning is still there um, yes. but the, the legacy is gone crying out now you mentioned that that that's the one i mean that is no longer there and your your community let's talk about the community that you started okay um booze musings is your blog and it's yeah. began as your blog and talk about now what what is there and what's going on there well, what, what Booze Musings is, um, it was it was actually a blog that I started to promote Hello Sunday Morning. 
and it was at the it was my my one year soberversary gift to myself. There were a group of um, of people on Hello Sunday Morning who I I really actively um, interacted with, and we were all very active uh, posters and commenters. And there were so many posts that were written inside the private space of Hello Sunday Morning that I found just life-changing to me. And I, I talked to some of the people in there and I said, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if these posts could be read publicly, but anonymously. So let's, let's start a, a community blog and I'll put my face on it because I'm going to come out um, as Winged Victory in Huffington Post. So I'll put my face on it and we'll have the momentum of the Huffington Post um, um, posts behind the new blog. And I, I wrote a letter to the administration of Hello Sunday Morning and I said, you know, I, I'd like to do this to bring people in to Hello Sunday Morning to reach out, you know, publicly from, from our private blogs and and they said great you know that's wonderful we love that idea just make sure you get you know copyright permission from each single person don't ever post anything without copyright permission so that became quite a project and um but about the time that i started the booze museums community blog which started with maybe uh 10 10 authors that i had talked to about sharing their posts um the Hello Sunday Morning um, website started moving toward a an app that they eventually titled Daybreak, and it, it became apparent that they were going to move away from the format that we had been using, and that that community wasn't going to continue the way it had. So for for those of us that were really had really found the community blog inside of Hello Sunday Morning to be life changing, that was that was quite tragic. So I started working um, on evolving the Booze Museums community into something that could become an actual community like we had at Hello Sunday Morning. And it took about two years and I did eventually figure out how to do it. So what we have now is we have the Booze Museums community blog, which is a public WordPress blog. And there there are at least 500 posts, 600, 700 posts, and every single post on there is in my head. I think there are 50 or 60 authors at this point. Um, and it's a, it's an archive. It's like a, a resource archive. There, those posts represent things that I read, both on Hello Sunday Morning and eventually in the Boom community that I created, that are things that, that I think are the type of posts that can be life-changing. You know, somebody was going through a pivotal moment in, in the evolution of their sobriety. And they sat down and they took the time to write something that really can make a difference. And I said, please, can I publish that on Booze Museums? You know, and they said, yes. So there are maybe 500 of those. And, um, and I keep adding them every week. And those then become resource posts that, that I post within the Boom community. The Boom community is... Um, on a separate website. So Booze Musings is our public WordPress blog. And then the Boom community is on a format called Mighty Networks, which is an app and a website. And it gives us a similar sort of format to what we had in Hello Sunday Morning, where everybody has their own profile. And we have a, a feed 
where it's, it's almost like Facebook, but it's, you know, it's the blog posts come up like you, you, you post on WordPress and so do I, I don't ever really go to the WordPress feed, but because I'm too busy in the, in the boom feed. Um, but it's the same type of thing where the posts for the day go up on the feed and you can read them and you can comment on them and you can write your own posts. And, um, so it's, it's become a very complicated project. Um, it's taken four years to build and I'm very proud of it and I love it. And it is becoming magic for people, um, which is thrilling, absolutely thrilling to me. It's changing people's lives. And, um, and did I answer your question <laughs> or did it become more confusing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it came, became even more interesting. Okay. Tell, me what, tell me what the impact of this level of engagement and service has had on your recovery. Oh, wow. Um, it's been incremental, really. It started it started with a passion for Hello Sunday Morning and what we were doing there and the people that I was interacting with there. It started with an absolute passion for that. And some of those people are still with me. Um, they're still part of my recovery five years later. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, and it started with that. And then, then it became a passion about the process. And it also became a creative outlet that is something that I never expected to be doing. I, I didn't know what a URL was when I was on Hello Sunday Morning. People had to explain to me, you know, it's the words across the top of the screen. People had to explain to me how copy paste worked. You know, um, I couldn't spell, <laughs> couldn't download an image. And I was just an absolute internet neophyte. I knew nothing about anything. So I first started the the Booze Musings blog on Weeks, which is a do-it-yourself um, do-it-yourself website builder, and I used that format because it it was easy to understand. I found WordPress very confusing, uh, and I was there for a couple of years, and I built a beautiful website, but it wasn't really active um, except for the people that were using it because they knew I was there. Uh, it it didn't have really strong search engine optimization. So last year, last spring, about this time, um, because we made it into the top 10 blogs and I was really excited about that. And I thought, you know, we've got to just keep this going, keep it going. I moved it to WordPress and I just, the, the amount of brain growth that has gone on since I was on Hello Sunday morning and I didn't know what a URL was to the point where I've built a website on weeks and then moved it to WordPress and have built three different communities, which ultimately ended in what we have on Mighty Networks now. Um, it's just, you know, my brain is in this constant sort of snap, crackle, and pop about something entirely different from what my career was, which was music. You know, this is an entirely different thing. And it's creative. It's intellectual. Um, it opens my heart. It's about people and community and love. And it's just the most amazing gift. So as, as far as, you know, what it what it gives to my sober momentum and keeping going, um, it's about life. You know, it's just this, this 
amazing explosion of, of unexpected possibilities. And, um, and it just, it came from just doing the next right thing, you know, taking it one day at a time, doing the next right thing. And, and I'll just keep doing that. And um, it's wonderful. That's amazing. Uh, you used the term search engine optimization, and I was very impressed because that is a very big word <laughs> it's for a, big a girl word. who didn't know what a URL was a couple years ago. Well, you're you know, learning I, I, I try. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because now I'm trying to learn. You know, I need the blog posts that we post on the WordPress blog. You know, I want them to be read. That's the whole idea. I want people to find them. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to learn now how to how to write how to do SEO copywriting and I'm, I'm terrible at it, <laughs> but I'm working on it. So luckily, it is It's so hard to win the internet. Yeah. Even with altruistic intentions, it really is hard. Uh, well, I applaud what you're doing. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful resource and there's amazing connections being made there. What does it feel like to you when someone comes back to you and says that the work that you've done has helped them change their life. What does that mean? It it makes it all worthwhile because, you know, there have been points, you know, I, when I first found crying out now, I was maybe two months sober at that point. And it was such a beautiful space and the stories were just heartbreaking and I needed to find them. You know, and I, I realized in looking at that and also listening to the bubble hour, um, there was a tremendous amount of work that had gone into those things, just as the gift of giving back. And I thought, wow, you know, that's that's really powerful. And then as I've gone through the process of doing that myself, which it wasn't something that I originally expected to ever do. There have been times where I have felt so exhausted and so frustrated and like I just could not go on anymore. And there have been times that I felt like, you know, if I don't figure out how to make money from this, I'm insane. You know, this is just I can't I can't spend my life, you know, working, working, working just for the sake of creating something beautiful and not earning any money for it. But as I've gone through the last year, I'm retired now. I have a full pension. I got a good deal when I retired. I'm only 55. I'm full of energy and I'm full of ideas and I'm full of creative creativity. And when somebody says to me, this is magic. When somebody says to me, this has changed my life. When somebody says to me that it's everything to them that HSM was to me, it's just, oh, I could cry. It's, it's the most amazing payback. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. There's no dollar sign you can put on that, is there? There's no, no price tag that no. makes it worthwhile. I know I've had the opportunity to, with with this podcast and with some of the other things I do, to monetize them. And I, beyond just you know the a little bit of advertising, I used to allow uh, Blog Talk Radio to add to this podcast just to try and pay for the um, subscription to keep it up. Eventually, I took that off as well because it just it. it, it as you say, somehow it, there's 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 magic that transcends, um, m- not a business model. I mean, and there's I do applaud people that apply a business model to their efforts and who can. There's a win-win that is involved and all of that. Um, there's there's lots of ways to do this, but I agree with you that there's just is something really special about enjoying the work that we do, doing it because it 
is meaningful to us and helps our recovery and then to have it just exponentially help others is a gift that is beyond comprehension some days it's indescribable and it's something that gives me so much I you know I wish that everyone could experience this and I I feel really blessed to be in a position to be able to do it because I don't Mm -hmm. need to make money I'm not wealthy but I'm fine and and it's you know it's really just yesterday we we had a donation button we had a paypal button that I set up oh gosh a year a year and a half ago and um, a lot of the members of the community have made donations over the last you know, year and a half or so. Um, some of them have been very generous. And those donations have gone to paying for uh, the week's format, paying for the WordPress blog, paying for the Mighty Networks format, because I, I pay like $60, $60 a month for that. Um, and they've gone to pay for Facebook promotions of the posts, which I no longer do because um, I don't like to give Facebook money. I don't like Facebook <laughs> Although your BFB group is lovely. Um, but in order in order for, you know, because I didn't understand SEO, because I'm not a, a web designer, uh, because I'm not an SEO copywriter, the only way for a while that I could figure out how to get things read was to promote them on Facebook. Because if you don't promote them, they don't circulate. They just sit there, you know, and you put something up on your Facebook page and it gets 11 views and it's not going anywhere. So there was, you know, money that was spent on Facebook promotions. But since I've retired, um, I've been able to focus more on figuring out the SEO and figuring out, you know, how to get stuff moving without paying Facebook to move it. And um, I've cut the expenses way down. And a couple of days ago, I, I took down the donations button and I put up a, a note on our donations page, you know, saying that for the duration of this uh, COVID-19 crisis, uh, anyone who is grateful for the service that the Booze Musings community provides, please, you know, donate to one of the charities that's helping people get through this COVID-19 crisis, because so many of our, our members are losing their jobs, and it's just, um, it's just so, so difficult. So mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful to be able to do that, too, and I, I can only do that, you know, because I'm comfortable, and it's, it's a gift. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we don't know what the fallout of this of this particular period in history is going to be. You're right. It, I have a feeling it will reverberate for a long time for a lot of people. I think so. yeah. And that means that um, uh, I would assume that there will be a ripple effect that will have a, a spike in people that are struggling with addiction and needing help. And here, uh, you know, everything that has been accumulating over this last decade or so of this incredible uh, revolution, I guess, is is what some people kind of call it on the internet. Absolutely, and it is. It is yeah, the recovery-friendly web, you know, just this explosion yeah. of resource, material, blog posts, um, communities, uh, creatives, uh, that we didn't talk too much about the creative outlet of it, but I mean, you look at something like, um, what the ladies over at the unruffled podcast are doing and they've got, you know, courses on using your creativity to fuel your recovery. There's oh, just, cool. so I should much. Check that out. yeah. So who knows, maybe without even knowing it, we were laying a foundation for a need that, you know, a tidal wave of need that, that lay ahead and um 
we we could have a lot of work ahead of us for many years to come, uh, in spite of all that we've already done. Um, so Definitely, I'm really yeah. grateful for for everything for our our back catalogs. I think will will be definitely well used in the in the years to come. Absolutely. And, and if I'm wrong about that, if that doesn't happen, you know what, that's great too, because I would love to see a world where no one feels the need to sit down and, and Google, am I an alcoholic? You yeah. know, that, that would mean that there was a, a huge cultural shift and that, How do I and, yeah, yes, that, you know, either it could be just so ingrained in people's thinking that, uh, that, that maybe someday will be irrelevant and that would be great too. <laughs> Before we finish our discussion, I do want you to talk about your choice of names, Winged Victory. Oh, Winged Victory. Okay. Tell me what that means to you and why you chose it. Okay. Well, I am a musician like you. Uh, My instrument is horn or French horn. Most people would know it as French horn. Um, And when I was about two weeks sober, my orchestra went on a three-week tour to Paris, and it was an amazing tour. We normally, when we when we travel, we go from city to city to country to country, and this was three weeks in one hotel, um, performing an opera at the Opera Comique. So it meant that we had all the time in the world to go to museums and and you know do whatever we wanted to do. I was absolutely terrified because. Nobody knew that I had stopped drinking in in my orchestra. And tours were usually, you know, as a mom, it was a time where I could check into the hotel, open a bottle of wine and just drink. (laughs) And so I had I had that trigger, um, which was frightening. And I also had the trigger of knowing that I would be in Paris with all of my work colleagues and what everybody would want to do was go out to dinner and drink great wine and everyone would be talking about wine and it was Paris. So um, the way that I handled the situation at that time, my, my avatar, my name on Hello Sunday morning was Gambrinus Dry because I had had a horn quartet um, that was named the Gambrinus Quartet because we all loved beer and the Gambrinus is the God of beer. And um, so when I, ended my long and illustrious drinking career. My first avatar uh, was Gambrinus Dry. And that kind of helped me remember, yes, you know, I had glory days drinking and now it's time to stop and that's okay. So Gambrinus Dry went to Paris and um, I had to figure out how to stay sober. And I was really afraid that I wasn't going to make it. I think I was on day 12 when I got on the airplane and I, I still remember how the orange juice tasted on that flight from Lisbon to London because everyone else was having cocktails and I was like, you know, focused on my orange juice. And so I, I went to the pharmacy and I bought lots of, lots of bath oils and I had um, James Frey, a million little pieces. And I had Sasha Skoglik's unwasted. And I decided I was going to get up early in the morning and walk. And I was going to spend as much time at the museums as I could And when it was time to go out to dinner, I was going to head back to the hotel, hit the bathtub and read. So that was working. And it was a few days in and um, I was at the Louvre. And I had been getting up early in the morning and walking and walking and walking. And I was just so full of energy and full of love of life. And I felt really vibrant and really strong. 
and I was making it. And I walked into the Louvre and I, I walked up to the, the base of, of the statue of um, Wing Victory, which is enormous. She's like, she's nine feet tall and she's just so, so powerful, so huge and powerful and free. And she's, she's incredibly feminine. You know, she's got this flowing, flowing fabric around her and these wings going back. And, and I looked up at her and I thought, that's me. <laughs> Sorry. So it's five years later and it still makes me cry. So that's where the name came from. I'm... I'm touched by the emotion in your voice, even though I know it, it probably feels uncomfortable to be that vulnerable right now. Um, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's hard to talk through it. But I, this morning when I was trying to look up the pronunciation for, I've never, I've never known how to pronounce a winged victory of the Sumatras. I think it's, so if I was list, heard it in my head as Sumatric, which is part of my spelling thing. So I looked up the pronunciation this morning and I, I watched that little video that I sent you. And it was really, really interesting to listen to because for the past five years, um, the name Winged Victory was, you know, this, the story was, was powerful. When I experienced it, when I told it on Hello Sunday morning, it became something that was really, you know, meaningful to the other people that I was going through my early sobriety with. And we always talked about wing victory as a warrior. And um, there were several other people on Hello Sunday Morning who picked up, you know, warrior and they added that to their name. And um, this morning when I was watching that video, it was fascinating because it said that she's not a, a warrior goddess. She's a messenger goddess and her message is freedom. Oh, that is absolutely perfect. You didn't know yeah. that. Didn't, <laughs> you didn't know, didn't know how perfect it was. As you awesome. were speaking, I, I googled winged victory and listeners. If uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, but as you're listening, if you if you want an image of your mind, just just search winged victory, and you'll see this absolutely breathtaking statue. Um, I can see why it's inspiring to you, and and why it means so much, and. That's just looking at a little image on my phone to be in the presence of it, as you said, which is looming and powerful. powerful yeah. Yeah. Um, for that to be your inspiration is amazing. I can I can well imagine how it must have felt to be standing there. And certainly when I hear the emotion in your voice, um, it, it must have been spiritually powerful. It was very much so. Yeah. And and um you know, on, on Hello Sunday morning, you know, because most of us had avatars as opposed to using our, our real name, um, the avatar kind of becomes part of your identity and the, the writing that you do evolves your identity. And, and that's, um, I read Mark Lewis, Biology of Desire, when I was about six months sober, and it really defined what I experienced in and have continued to experience through the writing in the community and, and um, you know, really my sobriety 
becoming something that's about the evolution of my identity and the evolution of my perspective on the world. And um, so it, with Win Victory, it wasn't just the inspiration. It was becoming her, really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing her, seeing myself in her, and then allowing myself to become her. You have vision, you have purpose, you have community, these things you've cultivated for yourself and for others. Um, if Winged Victory is a messenger, what's your message to others? Oh, boy. The simplest way of putting it, simplest way of putting it, because um, I've, I've worked out the message over and over and over and there have been lots of different messages that I've come up with over the years as you know to put on Instagram bleeps and stuff like that but the simplest message is the spirit is not in the bottle it's in you and that's something that I never understood I always thought that I needed to drink I always thought that I needed to drink from my creativity that I needed to drink from my intellect that I needed to drink from my individuality I thought that drinking was my power and I learned quite the opposite. The spirit is not in the bottle, it's in you. That is absolutely perfect. I've written that down. And I will be hanging on to those words. But... As I have held on to yours. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for your time and your big open heart. Um, Listeners will want to reach out to you. I know that. How can they find you? How can they reach you? Oh, well, they can find me in Boom every day. Um, you find Boom by searching Boom Rethink the Drink, and it will come up on, on Google. It won't come up just as Boom because Boom is a word that's used too much. But you can find it by searching Boom Rethink the Drink, or you can find it by searching Booze Musings. Um, and then that will take you to the, the public blog, which will connect you to us. That's how you find me. All right. Well, thank and you so friends. much. And, and your friends and your community, and, community. And your enormous body of collected works that are a tremendous resource for so many. I thank you so much for your time today. And listeners, I do hope that you will reach out and make use of this great resource and say hello to Wing Victory and let her know that you heard her on the bubble hour, that things came full circle after yeah. all of this time of, of listening and, uh, and using these resources for you to participate in it here is really, really special and meaningful. Thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. That is all for this week. So until next time, everyone, please do take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from the power. Weakness head on. Not proud that that was me.
Just want to be free from power 